0: And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan,
1: commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a very busy day, heading into a great weekend here in Vegas. Wow, if you love rock music, if you love legendary Musicians Metallica and Billy Joel at the home of the Raiders. Build it and they will come. That is thrilling to me, and I'm excited. I'm going to participate in both. So Bobby's got to play Metallica and or Billy Joel the next two days, which I think will be great. Metallica loves the Raiders. I was there when they performed in the Raiders parking lot during the playoffs. Want to talk about a story. That was a hell of a story. The day I got the word on the pregame show, in front of one of the largest crowds I've ever hosted a radio show in front of, Raiders playoffs, that Metallica was there in the back parking lot and got over there to see it. Incredible. They loved the Raiders. They love the Raiders, and they're performing Friday night. And then Billy Joel is going to perform on Saturday, and that's the backdrop of my youth. I was born in North Massapequa, Long Island. The next town over to me was Hicksville, and Billy Joel was born there. So all that music growing up as a kid was the songs of my youth and seen billy joel a few times and i'm thrilled because of the politics of where he can and can't play in the future that he's going to have a shot to play at Legion stadium and it should be great so two stadium concerts coming up here i got friends coming into town this is what i like to do i like to go to rock concerts and any type of live performance more so than shows i like to go to concerts in vegas congratulations because we are the talk of music Coming into this weekend, my wife saw Luke Bryan last night at Resorts World. She loved that show, went with a friend and said it was fantastic. So, And the weather's nice today, and the weather is great today, warmed up, because yesterday I had the pleasure of playing golf at Wynn, which I'll get into because Kirk Morrison, who played in the tournament yesterday, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour from NFL Radio, the work he's done with the Rams as the Rams has won the world championship in his years with the Raiders. We were out yesterday courtesy of the Raider Foundation at Wynn very early in the morning when I think it was about 39 degrees when I was hitting golf balls. I'm name-dropping a lot today, I know. Hitting golf balls with Marcus Allen and Willie Galt and Tim Brown, and everybody was, could have been in a winter coat. It was that cold. Then the sun came out, and I played one of the greatest golf courses I've ever played in my life. I never played win. First time playing that, and it was exceptional. Five-star, the Raiders do everything classy. Put up a lot of pictures at JT the Brick, Raymond Chester, Jim Plunkett. It was Fred Belitnikoff's birthday yesterday, so a lot of people retweeted that picture and wished Freddie a happy birthday. It was great to spend time with him yesterday, and then a bunch of other players that played. So it was a good day off yesterday with the Raider Foundation as they are raising money in all different categories to help out in Las Vegas. The way Mark Davis promised he would, the way the organization was set up, and it was cool to be out there yesterday. And that golf course, if you're a golfer, that, that was a bucket list. Played Shadow Creek, played Southern Highlands, played some cool courses before. That was special. Man, to be on the, in the middle of the strip with casinos above you, putting golf shots into greens that are surrounded by waterfalls, Man, Mr. Wynn initially and the people behind that golf course really knew what they were doing. All right, I'm really excited, supposedly, because these things are never guaranteed, but we're supposed to have the winner of the Daytona 500, Austin Sindrick, on in 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So he's on a tour. I'm thrilled that we have an opportunity to talk to him. I love NASCAR. NASCAR's coming to Vegas here in a couple of weeks, which is a really big deal. We get two races which is fantastic. What a job they do out at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So we'll have the early race coming up and then a playoff race at the end of the year as we're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. And wait till you see what the Strat is doing is they got big concerts coming up here, and we're all over that. If you're looking for a happy hour, you want to watch the Golden Knights, you want to have a great time, head out to any of these 64 Tavern locations And see what's happening. And Sammy Hagar is coming back to the Strat at the end of March, which is going to be a really big deal. So if you're at the Strat, you could see not only Cheap Trick, but Sammy Hagar and friends. What great shows that they have there. PTs fuels the monologue as we get set to go. So as I wait for our NASCAR interview, what we're going to talk about today is Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And very interesting because a lot of Raider fans think that Russell Wilson has interest in Las Vegas as one of his teams if he's going to get moved. I don't know that to be true or not. And a lot of people in the NFL are reaching and they're saying that he wants to come here because he wants his wife, the Entertainer Sierra, to be able to perform in Las Vegas. Because of the lounge acts in Vegas and what these entertainers make. I mentioned Luke Bryant last night at Resorts World, Terry Underwood, Katy Perry. Well... She's not in that category where she could sell out Resorts World or an arena at any time or any night, but she could play these lounges and make a lot of money and live here if she wanted to. I'm all for Derek Carr being here and Derek Carr getting a contract extension. I've never wavered on that from the time I hosted the Derek Carr show. Derek's a great husband, a great man, a very good quarterback, but now rumors are exploding today because Russell Wilson removed the Seahawks from his Twitter profile here we go again this is what's happening it started with Kyler Murray at the Super Bowl as he removed the Cardinals off his Instagram and now Russell Wilson is doing this Russell Wilson is being mentioned as a possible fit in Washington with the Commanders or Philadelphia with the Eagles which would be the better fit and there are some people suggesting potentially the Raiders if he was interested in the Raiders would that be an upgrade? Uh, played in two Super Bowls and won a Super Bowl, and what would he be like if he was in the silver and black? I'm not going to discuss him as a Raider out of respect to Derek Carr, and I don't believe he'll be a Raider. I believe he's got a better shot to go to Washington or New Orleans as the front runner there, but I do believe that Russell Wilson wants out. And I think he wants out because of his wife and kids. Not that he doesn't like Seattle, does a lot of work with hospitals up there, He's really involved with the community, but he's been there, done that. The Seattle Seahawks, if they retain Russell Wilson, have no shot at competing for a Super Bowl. So why wouldn't he go somewhere else and get a new experience in his life and maybe have a better shot than Seattle? Do we really think that Seattle's going to compete with the 49ers, the world champion L.A. Rams in that division, and the Arizona Cardinals, who were 10-1 last year and I think are clearly better than the Seahawks with that roster? Why would Russell Wilson take his name off of his, uh, the Seahawks off his Twitter profile? Same reason why Aaron Rodgers tells us about his yoga cleanse. Because their egos are enormous. Their egos are so enormous, they need to feed their egos every day. So by taking something down off of social media, it gets everybody to go crazy. It used to be before social media, you'd hear about a quarterback who was going to put his home on the market. There'd be a realtor who would say, you know, I'm gonna, I heard that this quarterback put his house on the market means he wants to be traded. And that sometimes has been true in the past. But now we have social media and some of these guys got millions of followers. So if they move something around in their profile, there's enough people that pay attention to that. Enough NFL insiders and interns who pay attention to that. And now the internet breaks. So when we look at Russell Wilson, I think he's a great quarterback. I have him in the elite category along with, and someone asked me that the other day, who are my elite quarterbacks? Well, it's not a long list because Tom Brady just retired. So the elite guys, and it could be different with you, my elite guys are Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are elite. And then there's a core of guys right there. Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr. Okay, there's a list of guys that are very, very good. And if you want to call them elite, go ahead and call them elite. If you don't think they're elite and they're in the next level, it doesn't change anything. It's talk radio. But Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, who I consider elite because of his talent and skill set, those three quarterbacks remain available, at least in some fashion of a blockbuster trade or some type of move in free agency, depending on where their contract status is. So their their names are going to be brought up all the time. National radio is bigger than local radio traditionally, unless it's New York or Boston. And when these guys' names are up on national radio and everybody's talking about it, it moves the needle here a bit. So I wanted to open up the show because I believe Russell Wilson is elite. I know he's elite because I have his stats in front of me the games that he's played in, the, the great throws that he's made, the Super Bowls that he's attended, the NFC Championship games that he's won, and the multiple playoff games that he's won on the way to winning the conference championship. He's young, he's still got plenty of years left, and I don't think it's going to work in Seattle. So I think there's a better chance for Russell Wilson to be on the move than Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of people disagree with me and flip it the other way. We'll get into Deshaun Watson a little bit later on in the show and where he could fit in because he's a hell of a player. And if he fits in with the team, I'll tell you, the team, if they guess right, you got to guess with him because he's waiting to clear his name, and he might not. But if he does, whoever gets him is going to have a quarterback for 10 years who's going to win an MVP, maybe two, and win a Super Bowl. And we throw him in the mix. And then you could throw Jimmy Garoppolo, who's pretty good, in the mix. Kirk Cousins is very good. He doesn't win big games, but he's very good. He looks like he's going to be available in the trade. Teddy Bridgewater is 100% available. Jameis Winston, who I like a lot, is available. You, and then Carson Wentz. Oh, my God, Carson Wentz. I was on a Denver podcast, and Denver asked me about Carson Wentz. I said, that's a great pickup if you don't get Aaron Rodgers. You get Carson Wentz, he's a hell of a player. He he stumbled down the stretch against the Raiders in Jacksonville, but he had a pretty good year last year. And he's a young guy, too, and very physical and very athletic. So as you know, the biggest topic of any offseason, especially since we launched Raider Nation Radio, without a doubt is the fact that the quarterback carousel is real. It's alive. Quarterbacks move. Derek Carr's contract is up. There's no guaranteed money coming to him anymore and Derek Carr is a premier quarterback in this league I don't have him at elite but I always thought that Derek can get to elite and maybe he gets there now with Josh McDaniels who was an elite play caller yesterday I went back and forth on this broadcast and then last night I wish we would have taped it I had a caller call me and kind of ambushed me my job's really cool it's a great job and the only thing I got to worry about is not saying anything that could get me fired And good luck doing that the last two, three years, all right, with BLM and COVID and vaccines or not, okay, on a tightrope. But I think I'm pretty safe with that. And then the other big thing when we look at all of this is what's happening here is rumors, innuendos, and trends and what people are really concerned about. You can alienate people if you don't kiss their ass all the time. You know, not everybody's Michael Jordan and LeBron and Derek Jeter. There's different categories of guys along the way that you got to cover them, and you got to cover them honestly. Honestly, you got to cover them and say where they are at, where their contract's at, should they be renewed, should they get more money and less money. And with Derek Carr, I've been very transparent working with the team. I was in the building today, not on the football side, and I can tell you that Derek Carr can win any game at any time, and he can win the Super Bowl. That's me being transparent. Are there other quarterbacks better than him? Absolutely. They've proven that. Uh, Is it realistic that they could be in the conversation with the Raiders? No, most of them are not realistic. But they're in the conversation because if they're in the conversation with the Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New Orleans Saints, you better believe that they can be in the conversation with the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's value to Derek Carr for the community, what he does here, how he plays— and the chemistry that he has as a captain with his teammates. And I think that's really important and the reason why he'll be here, depending on what his contract is. I don't get in the way of the negotiations between Mark Davis and Derek Carr. I don't talk about anybody else's money. It's none of my business. I talk about my money with my wife and my dad. That's it. So we're in the quarterback carousel, and I think the big topic that I want to hit on coming up here momentarily is Aaron Rodgers got a shockwave of a surprise thrown at him yesterday when Brian Goodenkunst, who is the GM of the Packers, talked about this potential trade, which Aaron Rodgers thinks he has a verbal agreement that he could be traded at any point in time, and here's what the GM said yesterday.
2: Brian, if Aaron comes to you and says he, he wants to trade, are you going to be any more willing to trade him than you were last offseason? Are you still saying you're not trading him? Yeah, no, Matt,
3: we're, those are kind of some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now.
1: So hypotheticals, Mike Florio reported at Pro Football Talk that there is no guarantee because Mike Florio is an attorney. And he has a big football website, and he's an insider on NBC, and he made it clear yesterday. There's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is getting traded. It's a verbal agreement. Raise your hand and beep your horn if a verbal agreement that you had in your life fell apart. Happens all the time. And if this happens here over the next couple of weeks, then all hell's going to break loose because Aaron Rodgers is going to freak out again. He's going to think he's being done dirty. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. You know, for all my years covering NASCAR and all my trips to Daytona, the great American race, and talking to winners who win that race, it's life-changing. And Austin Sindrick is kind enough to join us after winning the great American race. Austin, thanks for doing this. Congratulations on the biggest win of your life. How are you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Still smiling ear to ear, I can tell you that.
1: And you know what I like about this over the years, if it was David Letterman or a different late night show and you got to fly up to New York, you got to go through the media tour after this, they take your car, then they put you on jets and you got to talk to everybody. That's a great problem to have, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously our season just now starting and uh, we're, we're getting rolling here, but uh, yeah, I could, I could talk about this for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> Tell me about being a little boy and from your family and the background in racing and dreaming to win the Daytona 500. What were your earliest memories of the race?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember anything else uh, in my life that, that, that wasn't racing, you know, from, from a really young age. I've been exposed to it and been around it. And, you know, f- for, for me, I obviously come from a racing family, and uh, probably my earliest memory of the Daytona 500 was when Roger Penske won his first with, with Ryan Newman in, in, in 2008. You know, I, I, that was a, a pretty big moment for our race team and um, for, for for me to be able to accomplish the same feat that that I watched as a, as a third grader um, and and thought that, you know, you you couldn't get any better. You couldn't be, do anything more impressive. And and to to say that I've done it is, is, it's hard to, it's hard to conceptualize.
1: Where did you grow up as a young boy and a teenager? Where were the closest tracks to you where outside the Daytona, you also thought about that race and maybe a potential to win there.
2: Yeah. So, so when I, when I grew up, I grew up in North Carolina and, and in the Charlotte area uh-huh. Is really where a lot of the NASCAR teams are based. And um, I went to a high school uh, that was, you know, within 10 minutes of Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, you know, I, I heard the cars testing at the racetrack whenever they were there, and you could hear them walking in between classes. So, um, yeah, I, needless to say, I've, I've had the bug since a really young age.
1: Austin Sendrick is our guest, the winner of the Daytona 500. That's amazing. You have these early memories of hearing the sounds of motors and engines right where you are and knowing the sport. It wasn't like it seemed like it wasn't a, a choice you had. Did you play other sports as a kid? Little league, basketball, or was it we always not, uh, locked in to be a driver?
2: Yeah, I did, I did play a little little league. Uh, basketball was probably one of the, one of the sports that I played the most, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, my dad actually played college basketball, you know, Division 3 school. Um so and and he's he's fairly tall. It was kinda of always known that I was gonna be tall. Uh most race car drivers aren't tall. Um but but uh I uh yeah, I've I've always loved racing. I haven't wanted to do anything else but that and um yeah, I guess it's uh it's 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 in my blood, but you're right. All, my surroundings I, I, I definitely couldn't escape it.
1: Austin Cedric is our guest. This is a great story and you're 23 years old, so growing up it was not too long ago. When you were a kid and a teenager, and you had this dream, I want to talk about this off season and training with the new car and with your team and coming into speed weeks at Daytona. When did you think you had a chance? Before we get to how the race developed, leading up to the race, maybe a month, six weeks out, that you thought you and your team were really dialed in?
2: Yeah, well, I think the biggest the biggest change for me, you know, I'm I'm a rookie in the Cup Series this year, and you know, I probably spent the last four years five years working with the same group of guys in, in the Xfinity series level and um you know it was a big departure for me going going to the cup series and uh, working with an all new group of guys that have been together for years so I was definitely the new guy on, on, the, on the two car in more ways than one and uh over the off season just working with Jeremy Bowens and in the, in the team and trying to understand get that communication down the best we can without being in a race scenario you know that's Uh, I'd say it's one of the bigger challenges that I faced during the off season. And I I feel like I'll continue to face as we, as we start out the year, as we try and really refine ourselves and be able to be contenders every weekend. But um, yeah, to to be able to come to speed weeks and and, and bring a fast race car. And, uh, you know, after we did the duels finishing second in the duels on Thursday Mm -hmm. night, you know, I, I felt like we were pretty strong. I felt like all the Ford Mustangs were really strong and um, coming into the race and uh, really being an influence throughout the majority of the event and, putting, putting ourselves in position, track position by by the start of the third stage and um, just try and go win the thing. At, the, at that point, you, it's it's right in front of you, and you don't know when you're going to be running up front in the Daytona 500 next, and huh. you got you got to take advantage of it when you have it.
1: Austin Sindrick wins the Daytona 500, kind enough to join us. So i got to just tell you, I live in Las Vegas, and I'm watching the race, and I'm outside, and I got it on, and I'm watching the pre-race, and I know Chris Myers well, who's hosting it, And Tony Stewart's involved because Jeff Gordon is not in the booth anymore with Mike Joy. And they, they go to Tony Stewart at the start of the race. And they were making fun of him a little bit lightly that he never won the Daytona 500 with all of his accomplishments. He won 19 times at different races on the track. And he said, not winning Daytona haunts me to this day. And I, Austin, I'm watching it on TV and I'm going, wow, he's calling the race for the first time pressure on him because not everybody can call a race and be an analyst and be great at the Daytona 500 and it really dropped me into the race saying how difficult it is to win so the race starts off for you walk me through the first two stages staying out of a wreck or two and how the car is running as you're trying to manipulate yourself around the track and get in good position
2: yeah really early in the race you know I started uh, p5 and uh, was able to work up to the top with Brad Kozlowski pretty early on and, uh, control the race from there. You know, we, we, we and pushed, we did a lot of bump drafting. We controlled the outside lane for a while. And, uh, that was pretty much all I needed to know from myself that, um, I, I had, I had the car, I had, you know, the, the, the right stuff. And I did, I did the right homework to be able to influence a lane enough to, to, to control the race. And, and I, I think that was something that really started us off on a really good foot. And, Um, whenever we got behind we were always able to make our way back up to the field so um, it was always it was always um, a strong effort but it takes execution and we had some amazing pit stops Uh, Jeremy Bullens called a great race on the pit box and Mm -hmm. like I said before we put put ourselves in position by the end and at that point uh, ball's in my court and go try and uh, make the dream come true
1: you did and I just want to wrap it up we're talking Austin Cindrick. he wins the Daytona 500 kind enough to join us so what is it like going that fast and seeing a wreck? In front of you, behind you, your spotter gets in your ear and you know that there's going to be an opportunity to pit or there's going to be a restart, and I want to get to your restart. What is the adrenaline like at that moment when your car is still alive, you're still available, and some great drivers are gone from the race?
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, you know, there's no hesitation. You know, there's, like you said before, there's a lot going on. And a lot of things to focus on. And, 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 you know, my spotter is probably my, my second brain, you know, yeah. he, he's on the roof; He can see what I can't and relays that information to me. And I, I can't, I can't hesitate in, in, in my reaction to what he has to say. So um, like, like I said, just, just the communication piece is so important, especially races like that, where we're talking about inches going so 200 miles an hour. So um, just uh just, just great to be able to have that kind of collaboration with, with, uh, you know, it's it's still very much a human sport you talk about the machines but you know the, the people that are involved are, are so important and um i'm surrounded by some great people and and the, that's what it takes to win a, to win a race this big
1: austin last racing question i'm looking at the highlight now on my phone of that final lap and coming off that last turn and there is chaos behind you as guys are wrecking and you're getting closer and closer to the finish line what was that feeling like for you knowing it's not over yet the, the race is done behind you but you got to finish you got to finish knowing everyone's chasing you
2: yeah i mean coming off of turn four you know the wolves are coming they they want oh. what you got and um you know it's 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 the biggest moment you know try coming to the start finish line for the daytona 500 and, and so everyone's built their run everyone's bringing it to us and um you know just just able to obviously hold it off like i said i got some great information from from my spotter and being able to understand you know what, what lanes to block and uh, where to position ourselves and uh, I felt like there's some things I learned early on in the race that made me have the confidence that if I was nose ahead by the time I got to the trial we were going to be in good shape so um, it,
1: it all played out and uh couldn't be happier Austin congratulations I'll tell you one thing being at Daytona a number of times anybody could be in that race if you stay away from the big wreck You're on that lead lap. Everybody wants to win. I know there's some blocking, and some teammates might want to help you secure the win, but you know everybody's gunning for you. They'll do anything to get past you, and you pulled it out. It was one of the great finishes and great moments in Daytona 500 history. Your backstory is incredible. You have what so many legends before you have never got to win the Daytona 500 and to have that as your legacy And I know you're going to try to win another one and win multiple championships, and we're pulling for you. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm thrilled to interview you. Have a great career, and thanks for coming on as the winner of the Daytona 500. Awesome, man. Sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Austin Sindrick. Man, really cool to get that done. Way to go. That that final lap, and I'll retweet it right now, so everybody, if you haven't seen it as we just finished up that interview, just incredible that, think of it, he's 23 years old and behind him are guys just diving down, bouncing off walls, wrecking, all because they wanna win the race that he's about to win. And he drives like a legend and wins the Daytona 500. And the rest of his life, he could be 80 years old and they'll bring him in the infield for the driver introductions and they'll say, here's the winner of the 2022 Daytona 500 and they'll never take that away. Excited about that. Former Raider linebacker, Kirk Morrison joins us next. On Raider Nation Radio.
2: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, as the as the general manager and and, and as the the one leading the charge on the on the scouting side and personnel and college and pro, um, you know the, that direction will come from me um, in terms of you know the construction of the roster. Obviously, we're um, Josh and I are, are um, tied in, in many ways in, in our vision of how to build a team and, and, and our vision of what we want um, in terms of the players that we bring into the building is very, is very connected. Um, but at the end of the day when it's time to make decisions um, at, on personnel while we'll work together you know those final decisions will be, be made by me.
1: Dave Ziegler, new GM of the Silver and Black, brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence, Remy Martin, and a Remy Martin cocktail in your hand. Yesterday, I had a chance to be with Kirk Morrison, former Raider linebacker, ESPN, college football, Rams, NFL, pre- and post-halftime, host of LA Gridiron Weekly, and my teammate here on SiriusXM as he's with NFL Radio and Man, you were living the life yesterday playing wind golf and hitting balls into the greens. How much fun did we have? No, oh, man.
0: First of all, great to be with you as always, JT. But, uh, you know, yesterday was fun. It really was because, uh, you know, time that you can get together with a lot of the Raider greats um, and just kind of just have a day to just talk, you know, we don't, we rarely talk about football. That's the funny part, man. We just talk about uh, what's going on in each other's lives, just, you know, a, a, great, a great fellowship and then. You know, we got a chance to celebrate the great Fred Belitnikoff birthday as well. So it was a fun day for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, you know these guys well. You're a peer. You played for the Silver and Black and had a great career. But when you see Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Fred Belitnikoff, (laughs) Raymond Chester, Jim Plunkett, I mean, when you talk to Jim Plunkett and know that he should probably be the next after Cliff Branch to gain induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what do these guys mean to you knowing you're part of the same alumni team?
0: i mean i you know i uh you know i look at them as as my equal Mm -hmm. you know that we share our common bond that we share a bond uh, a brotherhood for life which is playing for the silver and black so it's always great to see them embrace them you know i still get star-studded when i see marcus allen i see tim brown I've, i've worked with these guys on a different couple shows that we've done in the past but you know i'm still like a kid when i get a chance to see those guys and because um, they played at such a high level, and you mentioned it. We're talking about Hall of Fame-type players, and definitely uh, Jim Plunkett is more than deserving. But good to see all those guys who were there, um, and good to see it. it's almost like the rebirth as well uh, of the mm-hmm. franchise when you have a new head coach incoming and a new general manager. You know, see hearing Dave Ziegler there, he was around. I had a chance to speak with him. Um, and just the uh, you know the direction of the franchise, I think it was a celebration for that as well.
1: Kirk Morrison joins us. So tell us about having a front row seat to the Rams' World Championship as they built what a lot of people call a Super Team, and then they went all in, uh, clearly getting Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller. I mean, that's a tough needle there to thread. Everything's got to go right injury wise. You got to make big plays throughout the postseason. What did it look like to you? Was it ever in doubt, or did you question it at one point in time, and what was it like to see them win a world championship?
0: I think when you look at it during training camp, you said that this team has a great shot a great opportunity uh, to make it to the Super Bowl Um, because you looked at the NFC. It was, you know, obviously Tampa Bay was going to be there. Green Bay was another team, but it seemed like the Rams, uh, they had something different, but I think the doubt crept in for me, JT, in the month of November, the Rams didn't win a game in November. They did not win a football game. And they went on a three-game losing streak, had a bye, and then came off the bye and still lost to the Green Bay Packers. And it looked like this team wouldn't be able to win another game. You know, after losing Robert Woods, you mentioned Odell Beckham. But it was something about the playoffs that we saw a different Matthew Stafford, who a guy who had never won a playoff game. He won four of them, right? And so – to me, watching this thing kind of play out, I really thought it really put the NFL on notice because the Rams really were about the today. They were worried they were, they were worried about the present and not about the future. They said, "Hey, sometimes you mortgage just a little bit the draft picks, things like that, but if you have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl and you feel confident in the roster that you've built, you got to go after it." And I thought that's what a lot of NFL teams should look at what the Rams did and say, "Hey." man, go after it because I'm looking at the coaching cycle and every three years it's nine new coaches, right? Eight new coaches. I mean, you don't have a lot of time to change things around. And I look at the Bengals as well. You talked about, I talked about the Rams, but look at the Bengals. I mean, three years in and they're making uh, a Super Bowl appearance under Zach Taylor. So I just really thought that just watching the Super Bowl for the Rams, great for them to be all in. But I've also thought that
1: Cincinnati could be a blueprint for a lot of teams as well and how quickly things can change for a franchise. Kirk Morrison joins us as we wrap it up. So, Kirk, it's interesting because of Cooper Cup, you mentioned Tim Brown earlier, but Jerry Rice, Lance Allworth, Megatron, Michael Irvin, who we saw at the Super Bowl. I'm thinking of all the great wide receivers of all time. How does this guy win the Triple Crown and rewrite the record books? I know they played one extra game, but he would have did it in 16, and especially adding the postseason numbers and the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it's fair to say we might never see that again in our lifetime.
0: No, and and the crazy part about all of this to me, J.T., is that Cooper Cup is really the same football player that he's been since he got to the league. He Mm -hmm. was always an outstanding route runner, a guy who would just always get open. But I'm going to give a lot of credit to his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, because previously, the previous seasons, we saw Cooper Cup with Jared Goff. And it looked good, but Matthew Stafford came in and really unlocked some things with Cooper Cup that we didn't even know was possible. I mean, it's third down, and everyone in the ballpark know that Cooper Cup's getting the football yet. He's able to find a window, and he had a quarterback that can get the ball in that window. So as much as I give the credit to Cooper Cup on an outstanding season, I do got to give credit to his quarterback as well who helped him who had confidence in him, who put the ball in some tight windows. But this, the, the, the knowledge of football that Cooper Cup has, JT, I mean, if you talk to him for five minutes,
1: you'll be smarter as a football savant uh, mm-hmm. than you were before you talked to him. I'll tell you that. Kirk, last one, we saw them go all in in Tampa and do it again. They brought back everybody, everybody wow. to try to go back to back. And now the Rams went all in, especially with free agency, moving draft picks, and then making trades and making moves mid-season Is this a trend, or do you think more and more teams will want to do this and make it be the structure of their team going forward? It's hard to do. If Stafford throws an interception on that final 15-play drive, Rams don't win, and they're 0-2 in recent Super Bowls. But now that they won, everybody else is talking about how to build a super team.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: it's about now. And I think what people
0: are starting to realize is that, J.T., Draft, the draft is always great. Trust me, I love the NFL draft. But we know that there are more misses than there are hits. And I think teams are realizing that now, hey, yeah, first-round picks are great, but getting someone who's a proven commodity may be worth more than a first-round pick or a second-round pick. Getting someone that can come in right away, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, and they can come out and give you uh, production at that position, I think you're going to see more of it. You have to. And then you have a lot of coaches on the hot seat who need to win. And so if I need to win JT, am I bringing in a rookie who I don't know much about and I'm hoping he plays well, or I'm bringing a guy who's been a three year starter in the NFL and can come in right now and give me the production that I need uh, rather than hoping on a rookie. I think that's what we're going to see more of in the league. You'll still have your first round picks. There's still going to be guys in the second, third round who will really come on, but You know, for guys who I think are big names in the league, hey, sometimes you got to take a swing. And I think you'll see more of those swings uh, than we did in the years past.
1: Thank you, Kirk. It was great seeing you again. Look forward to seeing you soon. And I appreciate it. Great job on all your platforms. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, JT. See you at the draft, brother. You got it. Kirk Morrison, NFL Radio, ESPN. He does a lot of college football. We were talking at the golf course yesterday, and he had a lot to say about the draft. And I was asking him a couple things. He had a couple players he was telling me about. We were talking Raiders, and I wanted to get him on today because he's going to be a part of some big draft coverage. We'll have him on again because he's done a lot of games, a lot of big college football games out west. So he went to San Diego State, but he's done a lot of Pac-12 games and ESPN National games, so he'll help out with some of the names that we're going to see coming up here. All right, we opened up with two pretty cool interviews, right? Really good for Las Vegas. Las Vegas is great, but that's the winner of the Daytona 500 and a former Raider in Kirk Morrison. I like to take a breath, but I'm going to keep going, and we're going to get you up here, 702-365-9200. I opened up the show with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. and Don't take this out of context. I won't let you. It has nothing to do with the Raiders, but I want to know from you who's a better quarterback now. Right now, and you do not it's, it's not a Raider question. Don't wanna, I'm not saying who would be better on the Raiders. I'm not doing that. But it's a national story. If you had to go with a quarterback today, would you go with Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Who do you think is better? Russell Wilson is younger. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, but he doesn't have a lot of time left. There's a lot to go on with both of them. Russell Wilson is very athletic outside the pocket. Rodgers is, but he's slowing down. And there's a lot of other quarterbacks we can throw into this conversation. Passionate Raider, thanks for holding and starting us off. What's happening? What's up,
4: JT? Long time. Haven't talked to you in a while, man. You've been busy, man. I've been busy. But, oh, hey, I'm fan too, JT. That's awesome you had that on because I watched the end of that race. And that was one of the best dates on the 500s in a long time. I, I, I like the 2x. I like x 19 because of Boston. I was a big junior guy. But this kid I never even heard of him and he just just to hold his own in that new car, that was pretty impressive, man. Yeah. But today, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. I, I've liked Russell Wilson since college, man, and, and I just think the kids got special got something special in them that a lot of quarterbacks don't have. He plays with a lot of heart all the time. He gives a hundred percent all the time. He's like another like he's got a motor like max to me. He just don't stop. But the situation has been kind of crappy in Seattle the past couple of years. And I think the guy's only been hurt one time in his whole career. And he came back on a severe injury and, like, a month earlier than he was supposed to, if I'm correct. I mean, I've been kind of hollering the Russell Wilson thing, too. but And then I seen at the Pro Bowl where they showed at the end of the Pro Bowl where him and his wife and his kids were out walking on the field. Uh, and I said, I was like, man, they're talking to his wife right there. What he's selling it to her. So, whatever just wins football games, JT, let it happen. Just win and get us that trophy. Who's ever under center, just win. Whatever Appreciate you the call. You
1: know, I don't think Russell Wilson would have to sell Sierra on Los Angeles, New York, or Vegas. I think Sierra would be selling Russell Wilson on that. She's a young entertainer, a young mom, and she wants to perform, and you can't do it in Seattle. I've been to Seattle a lot. You could do a show in Seattle. She's not playing the football stadium and she's not playing the hockey arena. And there's no lounges in Seattle or Redmond, Washington, where she could roll up and do six nights in a row, you know, for 800 to 1,500 people and make money. People throw that out. Remember, last year at this time, the stupidity that we were dealing with with Aaron Rodgers, with his fiance at the time being a movie star, and people were doing radio shows about the fact that she had a home in Boulder, Colorado. Remember this? And they were saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to go to Denver because his fiancee's got a home in Boulder. How ridiculous that was. I mean, it was ridiculous. And everybody's reporting some certain nonsense every day. When we come back, I'll get into a report today from someone in the media, which is ridiculous. I think an Uber driver, a landscaper, Anybody, a cocktail waitress, could have had the same rumor. And, and everybody's buying into it when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. We are brought to you by our great friends. And I mean they are great friends. Modelo, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Saw the Modelo team yesterday out there at Wynn. They were having fun, and there were Modellos at the turn. Yes, I had an ice-cold Modelo as I was golfing at the Raider Foundation, and it tasted great. Even though it was only in the 40s, I love Modelo, proud partner of our show.
4: While you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make his decision about his future and finalize well that,
2: how does that affect your other decisions for the organization going forward? Oh, yeah, I
3: think you know. Obviously, everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So, um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit. I think so. Um, that's the first one to go.
1: That's Brian Goodenkunst. He's the GM of the Packers, and he's getting peppered now by the media, uh, the same media that gave Aaron Rodgers a free pass last year in Green Bay and didn't ask him the right questions about him being vaccinated compared to being immunized and all that. And Aaron Rodgers just ran over the media. And he thinks he gets along with him. He goes on Pat McAfee, who I'm on the same channel with on SiriusXM. McAfee's got a massive show right now. He talks to him every week. And this Aaron Rodgers conversation is picking up more steam as we continue to play the sound because the GM could be backtracking here a little bit because there's supposed to be a verbal agreement in place that would enable Aaron Rodgers to leave and go to a team like Denver. Now, remember, most of the teams in the league are not going to be able to trade for Aaron Rodgers. There's only two or three. So in order for that to happen, the Packers have to agree to terms on the trade. So I would think that the Packers would want to move him to the AFC, get him out of the AFC, or move him to a team that's harmless, that's not going to win with him. That would be Washington. Like Washington, the Washington football team, now the Commanders, they're okay. I mean, we know that, Silver and Black. I mean, they came in and beat the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. That game drove me nuts, but they did that. And Aaron Rodgers, if he went to Washington, might have a chance for a wild card or possibly beat Dallas in the division, but I would doubt it. So Aaron Rodgers needs the Packers to get out of the way and do a trade most likely with Denver, and that would affect the Raiders. So how would that happen? Well, Brian Goodenkunst and the Hill team – the Packer executives would have to agree to this. And that's an important deal. And I want to get right here to Devontae Adams. That's the player that most Raider fans want to get is Devontae Adams in a trade to come and play with Derek Carr, and the Packer GM was asked about that deal.
3: It's not something we like to do. We'd certainly um, not like to do that if we don't have to. We'd certainly like to come up with a long-term deal that works for both sides. But, that's um, it's again, it's hypothetical that a lot of things have to happen before we get to that point.
1: So this is a fascinating football conversation. Fascinating. That's why I'm talking about it on Raider Nation Radio. It affects the Raiders if Rodgers goes to Denver and Devontae Adams coming to Las Vegas, if that's possible. The only problem with Devontae Adams, it's a perfect fit for the Raiders. Perfect. Him and Derek Carr are very close. They played college together. He's the best wide receiver, so why wouldn't it be perfect? It it, it wouldn't be perfect because of how expensive he is and what the Raiders would have to give up. So follow me. If the Packers tag Devontae Adams, which I believe they will, they're going to tag him, and then if the Raiders called on a trade to get him at that price, the Raiders would have to trade for him, give the Packers a lot in draft equity, and they'd have to sign Devontae Adams to the most expensive contract in the history of the Raiders, other than a quarterback. So if you're going to give Carr an extension, and you're going to pay Devontae Adams, guys are going to have to go. You're not going to be able to get the prize cornerback maybe you want. You're not going to be able to get that free agent player, maybe really good player on the offensive line that you can want. So it makes things a little bit more complicated. Brian Goodenkunst was asked what happens if there's a scenario. Is there a scenario where Devontae Adams could just walk away?
0: Is there a scenario which you wouldn't tag or
1: extend Devontae Adams? Could he walk or could you let him walk?
3: Yeah, possibly. I mean, again, like I said, I think uh, there's a lot of things to be determined there.
1: Yeah, he didn't want to answer that question. There's no way the Packers are going to let Devontae Adams walk. And there's no way the Raiders should let Derek Carr walk. You know, Derek Carr's playing into his last year of his contract. The Raiders are not going to let Derek Carr walk and get nothing for him. They would either trade Derek Carr, which I don't think they will, or they'd sign him to an extension, either long-term or shorter. Term extension. Those are all the scenarios there. But there are Raider fans that want Devontae Adams but need to discuss how you're going to make that happen and how that trade would happen. And we just don't know because Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are not showing their cards, nor should they. Nor should they. These guys are building this roster for the first time together, and they're going to keep their cards close to the vest. I would love to see if if the Raiders get Devontae Adams along with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I would put that up there as the top one or two receiving cores in the entire league. I mean, you, you can't take it over the Rams, but I don't think the Rams are going to bring back Odell Beckham coming off the injury. They'll still have Cooper Cup. And you'll look at some other teams. Amari Cooper could be on the move from Dallas. But can you imagine the Raiders breaking huddle next you know, this upcoming year at Allegiant Stadium? Devontae Adams wide to the left. Hunter Renfro in the right slot. And Darren Waller at tight end completely healthy. I mean, Waller's a receiver. Hunter Renfro's already had 100 receptions, and Devontae Adams is better than everybody by a lot. That would be the ultimate offensive weapon that the Raiders have been chasing for a long time. We're not talking about Michael Crabtree-type talent. We're talking about Devontae Adams. And Darren Waller's got receiver ability, more so than a tight end. And Hunter Renfro with Josh McDaniels, everybody's talking about that. We're going to get Tom Curran, on the radio, he's one of the best insiders in New England in all sports. Celtics, Patriots, and all that. He knows Josh McDaniels well. I went on his show at the Super Bowl, and he says he's going to join us next week. And what, what Josh McDaniels can do with Hunter Renfro could be spectacular. And he was able to do it with Wes Welker, Damon Amendola, and the best of them all, Julian Edelman. Now he gets Hunter Renfro. Why wouldn't you run the same exact plays? I'm talking exactly. Bring Julian Edelman in, take him out to dinner with Hunter Renfro. bring in whoever you want, Amendola, and just sit down with Hunter Renfro and go, these are the 10 plays that Josh McDaniels loves to throw to a slot receiver. Work out with Derek Carr the entire offseason and do not deviate from these routes. And Hunter Renfro runs a nasty route already. That head fake thing he does at the goal line where his whole body contorts and goes the other way, incredible to see. And I'm, I'm assuming when they get that playbook over to, I think, the best young slot receiver in football in Hunter Renfro, they're going to take it up a notch. It's going to be great. Also yesterday I took a picture. You know, I took a picture with the offensive line, Donald Penn and a few of the Raiders' offensive linemen there. One of the only times I looked small, small. And uh, I ran into, I played right in front of Alec Engle, and we had a nice conversation. The fullback of the Raiders coming off his injury, he was just cleared. Full cleared, so he was able to play golf. And we had a great time out there yesterday. Really cool. I want to thank the Raider Foundation for everything that went into yesterday. Really honored to be a part of that. Now, we're going to try to thread the needle on a pretty cool final hour of the show. They used to call him Meta World Peace, Ron Artest. Now he goes by Meta Sandiford Artest. I'll ask him about the new name change. George Sedano from ESPN LA on what's happening with LeBron James. And our teammate here on Raider Nation Radio, Vinny Bonsignor, all next hour.